It's now time for your Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg Pallast. And this is Dennis Bernstein with Greg Pallast. This is your Election Crimes Bulletin on the Flashpoint Show on Pacifica Radio. Always great to have Greg. By the way, if you want to follow his work, follow Greg's work at gregpallast.com. We'll give you that again at the end. You can check out all our broadcasts at flashpoints.net. Greg Pallast, a lot is popping. It looks like the folks in Georgia are uh, getting a little bit nervous about the district attorney there, and they're trying to uh, do some, <laughs> create some more laws to shut her down. As you know, we keep coming back to Georgia for a good reason, because it's ground zero of vote suppression and vote chicanery. And obviously, uh, where Trump put his efforts by trying to get the uh, officials to overturn the election, and so we have Fannie Willis, a district attorney. She's a local. She's a locally elected official. And so there's a new law that was uh, just passed in the Georgia legislature, which says that the legislature can now uh, punish and remove prosecutors that they believe are um, acting in an improper manner. And the, you have to understand, we're talking the Georgia legislature. Their idea of improper manner is is anything to the right of, to the left of Proud Boys. So uh, what they want to do is obviously shut down Fannie Willis, uh, her prosecution and her investigation into the overthrow of the election. Uh, she's about to impanel that second grand jury to bring indictments, which could be against Trump. Certainly, we're almost certain to see it against his top officials, maybe probably Rudy Giuliani and, and others. And so they're basically trying to pull the prosecutor. You know, it's like they want a cop arrest someone. You go arrest, and you go and fire the cop and let the uh, the bandit go. That's that's their that's the scheme. That's the plan, and that's only one of their little laws that they've been busy uh, putting together. No, and it is very clear, uh, Greg, that uh, you've been on to something for some time, and we're, yeah. we're seeing some of the folks uh, come around. Some of the corporate folks start to mention your work, start to see the level of repression and uh, voter suppression that's going on. Um, yes. But it's so interesting today. I, I want to get to SB 222, and that came up on one of the corporate networks today. Uh, but the amazing thing is they were flabbergasted how thorough it was in su- voter suppression, but then they did a, like a, a song and dance about uh, glorifying this guy Raffensperger. So how do you square the two? Uh, well, I don't. I mean, well, I square the uh, mainstream media and, and uh, their love of Brad Raffensperger, who, you know, the, to, today um, Stacey Abrams' group Fair Fight just put out a, a video saying the most, that George is embarking on the most vicious Jim Crow vote suppression crusade. It was bad last year. Remember, we had SB 202 known as Jim Crow 2.0, and uh, that almost... That almost stole the election of 2020 in the re-election of Senator Warnock because it didn't work. He still squeaked through against Herschel Walker, which just shows you how deep the vote suppression Amazing. techniques were. Yeah. Um, that uh, now they have SB 221 and SB 222 because it, it just uh, 202 was not good enough. There were still black people figuring out how to vote, and that had to come to an end, and young people, especially in the Atlanta area. So SB uh, uh, 222 is uh, kind of called the anti-Zuckbuck law. If you remember, 
a billionaire Republican named Mark Zuckerberg, and I want to emphasize, he's a Republican, decided to do a civic thing and offer money around uh, because we had a pandemic and many, many elections boards simply could not handle the, the pandemic. They lost workers and everything, so they had to expand and, and ex- massively expand the use of, of absentee voting and drop boxes. Well, Republicans were at first happy about the Zuck bucks because absentee balloting is, was used in Georgia and other states mostly by Republicans. And Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton in, in the absentee ballot and drop box vote in uh, 2016. But in 2020, with Trump going on a crusade against mail-in ballots, even though they're used mainly by Republicans, it reversed. And you had a massive, they made voting very easy. And as a result, Biden, Ossoff, and Warnock all won in Georgia. And we see this across in Texas, Florida, other states where making drop boxes available massively increased the number of young voters and young voters of color in particular. In fact, 49% of all young people voted by absentee ballot, either mailing it in or in a drop box. And it's more than half of young voters of color, more than half, according to Tufts University. So he said, since most young black people vote by Dropbox in Georgia, and they're more likely to use the Dropboxes than sticking in the mailbox for good reason in Georgia and in other states like Texas. So they ended up cutting back the number of Dropboxes radically in the 2020 election. You could only have one Dropbox for 100,000 voters, active voters. 100, and that was the law, but still Warnock won. So now Georgia's SB um, 221 eliminates all drop boxes. All of them. None. <laughs> so even <laughs> if, you, if you have to use the mail system, which <laughs> it's notoriously bad for getting in ballots, because like, in Georgia and other states, they've, instead of saying, well, like in California, you mail in your ballot, if it arrives at the, at the elections office within a week of the election, it counts. Uh, but in Georgia, it has to arrive by 7 p.m. on Election Day at your polling station. And that, that type of restriction is happening all over to make it so that they disqualify the mail-in ballots, which are now running two-to-one Democratic, as opposed to when they used to be majority Republican. So now they want to eliminate all drop boxes in Georgia. They want to eliminate prosecution of uh, real election crimes. But they are making it a crime for a local election official to take any foundation money, any nonprofit money, any money from anywhere uh, to fund election operations, like to fund drop boxes, et cetera. Well, they won't have drop boxes, but you're talking about these rural Georgia counties, especially the poor black counties, that just don't have the funds. And they're cutting their funds, and they're saying you can't seek funds elsewhere. So they're literally basically making it, it... impossible for local elections boards to even conduct elections. It's absolutely murderous. Plus, they're expanding to, to one. It just goes on and on. Like you say, it's huge. And it, and, it uh, increases unabashed, the vigilante unabashed. challenges. It's unabashed, Greg, and, and you are among the very, very few that are on top of this. Like I said, they don't, they don't get the context. That's why they, any fear they express about these drop boxes, is the subject came up today, is immediately clamped down by, but, you know, e- even Republicans are against this kind of stuff, like 
Brad Ruffin. So the the reporting is uh, still a big challenge in yeah. people understanding this. Well, Meanwhile, you know, one of the problems yeah, is, is that they don't understand that, well, I don't, and they don't want to understand. So you had this big play-up of, of the Republican Secretary of State on 60 Minutes on MSNBC. He's like the hero of MSNBC because he did stand up to Trump. There's no question about right. it. When Trump wanted to muscle him to, to find 11,000 votes, he didn't want to go to prison. But you have to understand, this guy is more of a, you know, makes Catherine Harris of Florida, remember the infamous uh, uh, Cruella de Vil of Florida who removed tens of thousands of black people from the vote. I mean, she's like Thomas Jefferson compared to Brad Raffensperger. Fair fight called him out today, but can't get the national people. So the problem is that when he endorses these moves, they're buying the line that this is to improve voting, or to use Brian Kemp's little catchphrase, make voting easier but fraud harder, which is kind of difficult why they need anti-fraud laws, because Raffensperger went under oath he testified he couldn't find a single fraudulent vote out of five million, not one fraudulent vote. Yet they have all these laws to stop the vote fraud. And he said it a lot exist. of times, so he must have yeah. really meant it. You're listening to the Election Crimes Bulletin on Flashpoints. We're speaking with Greg Palast, who's easily reached at gregpalast.com. You can see these mm-hmm. Election Crimes Bulletins uh, completely at flashpoints.net as well. Uh, Greg, let's turn our attention to True the Vote. I mean, we're bringing back yeah. these organizations, but it's crucial because they are continue will continue to play a key role in suppressing the vote. True the Vote, what happened? Oh, st- is, okay, Stacey Abrams brought uh, a suit from months ago. Yeah. But fair, okay, that's her organization is Fair Fight uh, Georgia, yeah. and as you know, for those of you who've seen my film Vigilante, which we will re-release uh, for next year as we update it, but uh, the film Vigilante well worth uh, seeing, folks. Well <laughs> worth seeing. Believe me, it's not, and it's not. Uh, you know, some of the documentaries I've seen have been had good information, but they are a freaking bore. This one, <laughs> you won't be bored. I'm sorry. No, you won't be bored. You'll be spitting out your popcorn. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but uh, the thing is that what we exposed was this whole system of individ- of voters who are non-government people, just self-styled vigilantes who are challenging people en masse. They challenged over 100,000 voters before the Georgia Senate uh, midterm election Senate race. And uh, our campaign pretty much stopped it cold, but they're not done because the new Georgia law, 221, which I expect Kemp to sign shortly, will expand the uh, – will, will give more authority to these vote challengers. Because a lot of uh, – for example, I was in Gwinnett County, which is, one of the, which is actually the biggest county in Georgia. It's, it's a piece of, of the suburbs of Atlanta. And Gwinnett simply rejected 33,000 challengers. I was there. They had seen my material, and they said these challenges are junk. Now the new law will basically say they can't – the local officials, even if they know the challenges are bogus, can't just challenge the challenges. And specifically, things like they said you could use – they had people trolling black voters and Hispanic voters on Facebook to see, oh, this guy is – He's writing from Texas. He bought a car in Texas, and it's on his Facebook page. Well, it turned out I checked that one out. That was a sol- another soldier assigned to Fort Hood, Texas, and they challenged his vote saying he bought a car and has a girlfriend in Texas. But he is, of course, wow. Hispanic, so of course. But this is the type of thing that – and if it were just Georgia, 
which is bad enough because it is the, the ultimate swing state for the Senate races and the presidency, of course. But whatever happens in Georgia, that's the test drive. That's the, the Klan's test kitchen for uh, voter suppression trickery. It goes everywhere. It goes to Texas. It goes to Florida, Arizona, Wisconsin. You know, it's not just the Deep South where we have these shenanigans. You see Jim Crow up in Wisconsin like nobody's business, yeah. where it's a blood fight right now. And unfortunately, we're about to have an election next week in Wisconsin for um, uh, for the head of, the, of their Supreme Court. It'll determine this is vitally important because that Supreme Court has stood in the way of vote suppression tactics that have been passed by the right-wing gerrymandered legislature. And now this vote will be conducted after they've flushed out tens of thousands of people using a, a, a ridiculous system of purging voter rolls. So you have, it's not just Georgia, and I want to emphasize that, but we, we focus to Georgia because that's where the right-wing focus is. That's where they learn their tricks. Absolutely, and that's where they demonstrated how violent uh, they would be at the national level. Again, we're speaking with Greg Palace. This is the Election Crimes Bulletin. He's at gregpalace.com. Uh, well, Ginny Thomas was back in the in play today. Apparently, she's been very busy and very engaged. Should we not be bothering? Just She's just somebody's wife. Well, uh, we should congratulate Ginny Thomas because she is the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. And Ginny has uh, been able to pocket $595,000 through a group where she uh, raised something through something called crowdsource, but it turns out that's just a, that's just a hand-waving cover. The money comes to her, and this is supposed to be, we don't even exactly know what it's for except to push some type of pro-Trump agenda. Remember, Ginny Thomas has already been uh, tweeting Mark Meadows to, to fight the election and to have it overturned. Mark Meadows was the chief of staff to Trump. She was encouraging the uh, actions which, uh, you know, which led to January 6th. She's quite a piece of work, but, you know, it's a free country, as they say, except for one thing. She is married and has a bank account with the Supreme Court justice. So the question is, is this a conflict of interest? And understand the money she raised, as it turns out, traces back to donors' trust. Now, donors' trust is the kind of right-wing billionaires' cover of their favorite cover for their donations. Their number one donor into donors' trust is Charles Koch. So donors' trust, while it has other billionaires there, is basically a Koch interest front. And that's who's paying Ginny Thomas the wife of the Supreme Court justice. And, and so, she, well, she was also yeah. engaged in the, in the scheme, the fake electorate scheme, right? She was pushing that one around. Yes, yes. And I should mention, I, you mentioned the True the Vote and Fair Fight. Fair Fight has sued True the Vote, which is the group that came up with the attack on drop boxes in that film, 2,000 Mules. It's in, you know, I take it apart in my film, Vigilante, but 2,000 Mules while people sneer at it and laugh at it, it was launched at, at Mar-a-Lago by Donald Trump. You may sneer and laugh, but it's been very, very, very effective yeah. in closing off absentee ballot drop boxes. Like I say, in Georgia, they're going to eliminate them completely. In other states, they're cutting them way back. And this is because of this group, 2,000 Mules, which falsely claimed that thousands of black men, and I want to emphasize, they emphasize that it's black men, 
except for some Hispanics in, in Arizona. And they emphasize the, the racial aspect of it, that you have black men who are illegally stuffing ballot drop boxes. Now, they claim that they had videotape and everything else. The truth is that despite all the videotape and everything else, they could not identify a single actual fraudulent voter. They always they, – they never mentioned their name. They cover the license plates. Well, it turns out we were able to identify some of the people that they accused of stuffing ballots. One is an African-American uh, high-tech exec in Atlanta who was putting in his ballot and his wife's ballot. He was the central villain, a guy that they said, we are watching O.J. Simpson in the, in the commission of a crime. So they see a black man. He's O.J. Simpson, a murderer, in the act of committing a crime. So he has sued them. Now fair fight, Stacey Abrams has sued them, saying that this is mass intimidation in violation of the Voting Rights Act. They now, a judge has just ruled, Judge Stephen Jones in Atlanta has ruled that fair fight must go to trial. And their so-called expert, a guy named Greg Phillips, who is like a high school math teacher, he's their, both their expert, the judge ruled that he has no idea what he's talking about and doesn't qualify as an expert. So uh, they're going to have a tough case. But I, and I will say, and guess what? Here's, here's another new news. The Biden administration has joined in the case on the side of fair fight. So, hello, the, it looks like the uh, Justice Department has discovered Georgia. Glad that they've joined the club. We've been, uh, what, there 11 years? <laughs> uh, nine, mean, uh, 10 years, yeah. Does, does that suggest that maybe Stacey Abrams might be acceptable for the scared, rabbit-scared Democratic Party? Are they... Uh, there, we could have her as governor of Georgia now if there was real. Yes, I mean, uh, there is little question. You know, we did a very careful analysis of the votes in 2018. There's no question that if they hadn't uh, illegally massively purged the voter rolls of a third of a million Georgians, every one, we checked out their names, every one were, were legal voters. They were blocked. If not for that, Stacey Abrams would be governor. And I think that, yes, I think Stacey Abrams is, is, is acceptable to the mainstream up to a point. I'm glad that the Justice Department has come in. You know, whether they – now, it's not clear. They are claiming that they're a party. How much they will actually support all of Fair Fight's positions, I don't know. But, they, but at least that they ha are participating in the case, that's a big, big change. Obviously, it's a monster change from the Trump administration. But uh, finally, we have the, the feds coming in on the side of protecting what's little left of the Voting Rights Act. All right, let's, let's talk about spouses, um, because uh, Jenny Thomas isn't the only spouse uh, that uh, was engaged during um, somebody's uh, tenure. This one is Hillary Clinton. Now, she was very engaged, wasn't she, Clinton yeah. Foundation? We, we, I mean, well, this is one of the things extent, we have to yeah, right, that we have to uh, you know face squarely. While a lot of the progressive groups and MSNBC, et cetera, are screaming that here's Jimmy uh, Ginny Thomas, wife of the Supreme Court justice, accepting basically political action funds and lining her pockets with uh, money from advocates who will be in front of her husband's court. So. 
to say that's a conflict of interest, you don't need, you know, you don't need a PhD in poli sci to know that that is a conflict of interest. It's just not against the laws we have it. You know, but you know, we do have to remember that we had this same problem with the Clinton family when Hillary Clinton was our foreign minister, that is Secretary of State, uh, the Clinton Foundation, which had apparently promised not to raise money from most nations, uh, exceptions being Canada, Israel, and the U.S. But we know that Bill Clinton's, that the Hillary and Bill Clinton Foundation received about 30, roughly $36 million, 30-some million dollars from a guy named Justi, who obtained the, the exclusive contract to mine uranium out of Kazakhstan. He arrived with Bill Clinton. He had Bill Clinton in his private jet. Bill Clinton meets with the president, that is the dictator, Nazarbayev of Kazakhstan. Immediately after that meeting, a few minutes later, Justi goes in and comes out with an exclusive contract for the uranium, then makes this donation to the Clinton Foundation. Uh, and then, as Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton asks for the removal of the name of the dictator, Nazarbayev, from the indictment against mobile oil for bribing uh, the, uh, the dictator of Kazakhstan. So his name was left off. He was simply called KO2. And the reason why is that important? Because it, by leaving off the name of the dictator, he would not be indicted. He was just the, an unnamed recipient of the bribe. Why did we do that? Now, the question is, did we do that because the Clinton Foundation got $32 million from him indirectly, or did, was that in the uh, interest of the United States? I don't think it was in the interest of the United States to pleasure this dictator. It also had a terrible effect in Kazakhstan, which is that if you were in Kazakhstan and you mentioned that the president received a bribe, you'd go to prison for it's kind of a lays majesté law. So you would go to prison, and because there's no statement anywhere in an official courtroom that he took the bribes, he's just KO1. So in other words, it created, there are people in prison because of this decision in Kazakhstan, if they're lucky. And again, I agree that yes, the, uh, the liberal left is calling for rules about spouses, when they have a similar, uh, you know, share a bank account, but that should also apply. I hate to say it to the Clintons. So, it, so it wasn't a good phone call, a perfect phone call. <laughs> yes, yeah, a, perf- a perfect, a perfect, a perfect private jet landing in Kazakhstan. Nothing was wrong with it, as Bill Clinton said. He didn't tell the president of Kazakhstan to give his buddy, who just brought him on a private jet, um, the contract. Except that I suspect that um, President Nazarbayev uh, happened to know that the man he's speaking to, that his wife is Secretary of State of the United States and the likely next president. Yeah. Uh, and this listen. is the problem. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We do have to say, if, if you're going to be on the Supreme Court, if you're going to be Secretary of State, if you're going to be President of the United States, I think, you're, I think that you've made a decision for your family that they cannot be cashing in, especially when they share a bank account. Bill and, I happen to know that Bill and Hillary uh, file a, a joint taxes and one set of bank accounts. So it all goes in the same pocket. 
Well, he deposited, but he didn't inhale. Um, <laughs> listen, we just have a minute or two left. So yes. usually, Greg, you're a wonderfully colorful reporter, but you don't speculate. But how about this? What do you think? There are a lot of investigations going on now. Where, how do you think this is going to break? Just your gut feeling. Well, I, I, yeah, like you said, I'm not a speculator, but the information we have is pretty clear that, that there's almost certain to be an indictment in New York for um, falsifying records. The question is whether, whether the DA can prove that the hush money paid to uh, Stormy Daniels constitutes an illegal campaign contribution. Now, there was a conviction on, along these lines before when there was hush money to cover up John Edwards uh, getting um, one of his uh, followers pregnant. And hush money was paid to her. And um, Edwards was, in fact, convicted of um, illegal campaign contributions. So we'll see. You know, what happens in, in Georgia, we don't know if they pull Fannie Willis off the case. I think that it will, you know what? I can't imagine that anyone, uh, any prosecutor in Georgia is going to let this go. Whether it includes Trump or not, that's the real that's the real open question that no one could say. But absolutely, we have people who at least prima facie committed mail fraud by saying that they had won election as electors representing Donald Trump when they didn't even run, let alone win the vote. We know Biden won those elector votes, but these are people who didn't even run. So, and whoever organized that, they can prove Trump was part of the organization. It's pretty hard to say that's not a felony crime. Uh, what they're going to have to do is prove that he knew about the scheme and may have to prove that he knew it was illegal as well. Not so easy. Right. It's not easy. Greg Palace, that's Greg Palace at gregpalace.com. This is the Election Crimes Bulletin. You can check it out at gregpalace.com or at flashpoints.net. Greg, as always, uh, we appreciate the great information and how generous you are with your time Thank for you. our show. So we appreciate it. I'll be back. Bye. All right. Stay safe.